Hello music fans. Hey, episode 16 is here and I really appreciate you plugging in to give it a listen. Also be sure to check out the new website for the podcast at bandsontheradar.blog. It has a link to each episode as well as a Spotify playlist that I've put together with songs from each of the guests. I think it's pretty cool. I think you'll like it. My guest this time out is Josh Gillespie. He's a very talented musician and also a very accomplished podcaster. He brings a lot of good energy and a really positive vibe, and it was fun to hang out with him. We sat down at the Enlighten the Soul studio to discuss his music and his debut album, Make Something Happen Here. We also spent some time talking about his weekly podcast, Voices of Indie. He's a very busy guy, so I'm really happy he found some time to hang out with me for a bit. And I really enjoyed learning about his early musical influences, which include Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin, Rush, and R.E.M. His song Another Story is playing in the background right now, and we talk about that song as well as several others from the album. We cover a lot of topics, so let's get to it. I got to refer to my notes. You don't ever use notes, That's, do you? Uh, well, uh, again, it probably primarily the the stuff that I, we do discuss. It's kind of like what we were doing beforehand. Yeah. Like I just kind of pull from conversations for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I make sure to listen to the stuff beforehand. Um, maybe you know, glance at their Instagram and kind of see what they're, they're working on. So. All right. Well, let me introduce you. Josh Gillespie, thanks for joining me on Bands on the Radar. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Darren. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to see you again. Good to see you, too. Yeah. Um, well, we connected maybe a month ago or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, it was... Uh, we finally got together. We have uh, similar interests. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was probably good to reach out to you and kind of see how how uh, how things are going. Yeah. I think you're much more busy with your interests than I am. <laughs> That's one thing. As I've started following you and gotten to know you, mm-hmm. um, I even made it in my notes here. You're like a renaissance man. I mean, you've, oh, wow. you've got you. so many irons in the fire. Uh, and, I, and I had to make a list here. You're on all the socials. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have an excellent podcast. Thank you. Yeah. You're in a band. I am. Yes. Yeah. And you're out actively playing shows. Uh, most of the time solo, solo, but yes, yeah, we have a full band gig coming up at the at the Melody Inn here soon. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, releasing music and making more music. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got. And yeah, and then, <laughs> not the least of which, then you have a day job. I do. Yeah. And I'm a father. And <laughs> of four, five, five. Yeah. Ooh, don't want a shortcut there. No. So, <laughs> five. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a, there's a lot going on. Yeah. You are a busy guy. I don't, I'm thinking, man, I, I really, I started as we, as I said, I started following you and watching all the things you're doing. I'm like, how do you pack it all in? 
And then you found time to join me tonight, so. Well, fortunately, it's a Friday and it's spring break. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that helps. That helps, yeah, yeah. So let's, uh, let's dig into your history a little yeah, bit. No, yeah, no, absolutely. Would yeah. love to. Yeah, so Indianapolis is home now. Yes, it is. And, or the metro area. Mm-hmm. Is it, you're in Fishers? I'm, I'm in, I, I, I used to live in Fishers, now okay. I'm, I'm in downtown. Oh, okay, okay. Has it always been home for you? Indiana, uh, and uh, specifically the Indianapolis, you know, the uh, area has been, yeah, pretty much yeah. Uh, for the vast majority of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I lived a couple years out in D.C. Um, that's actually where I met my wife. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we moved back here shortly after we got married. Actually, almost immediately after we got married. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you were in D.C. how long? Just for a couple of years. A couple but, of years. Uh, it was a pretty memorable time. Uh, two weeks after I started, September 11th happened. Mm. Um, so I don't remember what DC was like without barricades, oh, like yeah. lots and lots of barricades. Yeah. And apparently they have even more now these days, wow. but, uh, that's, that, that's, that's quite a memory to have your yeah. first couple of weeks on the job. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. Um, and tell me when did music become so prominent in your life? When it, early age? Sure. What's now, your earliest it was, memory? My earliest memory is actually my brother playing the drums mm. in our garage okay. uh, when we lived in Fishers, and uh, he's been actively playing drums. He's ten years older than me, so he's been okay. he's been playing drums since I was in elementary school. Okay, and um, my earliest memory was of him out there playing and the kind of the. The constant, you know, kind of teenager parent battle over music, mm-hmm. and you know, my brother was really into rock and roll. My my sister was into the pop of the eighties, and my okay. parents were very classic and jazz. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like I'm looking at all of the the smorgasbord of music that's kind of at my fingertips, mm-hmm. and uh, my parents were definitely not keen on my brother's kind of music, <laughs> uh, which I think made it all that more attractive. Yeah, you, you got to like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, it did. It did. And um, as as he got older, as I got older, and he went off to college and, and eventually got married himself, he actually started making me mixtapes. Oh, okay. And he called them like history of rock and roll. And so it had, you know... Zeppelin nice. and Aerosmith, yeah. lots, lots of like true, like rock, rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I ate those tapes up. Mm. And so when I was in middle school, I would listen to those tapes all the time whenever mm. I would be mowing the lawn mm-hmm. or eventually when I learned how to drive, yeah. you know, pop those in the tape deck because that's. That's what you had then. That's what I had. Actually, <laughs> actually, the very first car I had is very similar to uh, modern cars these days in that it had nothing but a radio. Okay. Uh, which is kind of funny. A Ford Escort station wagon uh, from 1987, no AC, uh, and, it, and it had no CD player because that wasn't a thing at the time. Right. Uh, no, no tape deck. So I actually had to install a tape deck. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but yeah, I, I ate I ate those tapes up, and he made me, you know, four over the years, yeah. and I started developing my own taste in music. Now, mind you, I had started playing band in elementary school, so my okay. first my first instrument that I started to learn was a piano. I think that's pretty much the way it is for a lot of kids who get involved in music. Yeah. Their, their first instrument is piano. Mm-hmm. Um, but my first like orchestral instrument, like the beyond the piano, was trumpet, mm. and I played trumpet. 
um, from elementary school all the way through high school, and I actually did not pick up the guitar until after I graduated high school. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. So were you self-taught on guitar? For the most part, I am. Uh, I've taken lessons a couple of times, and I would probably be a lot farther along if I had paid more attention during those (laughs) lessons. Um, I I consider myself a pretty good rhythm guitar player, but Mm -hmm. there's no lead going on here. I'm I'm not. I'm not good with scales. I'm. You know, someone talks about root notes or anything like that, and I'm just going to give you a blank face. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm self-taught as well, so I understand. The limitation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, although there are several great self-taught players that oh yes. tear it up, but yeah, but I'm 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 more of a rhythm player myself. So all right, I, I, I live in that camp. I'm yeah. there with you. So so out of that, um, so Zeppelin, Aerosmith, did that? Did they have the most those rock bands? Did it have the earliest pronounced influence on you, or did no, jazz the, creep in there? Or? No, actually, the the main band that I didn't even mention was Rush. Oh, yeah. Um, they were my brother's favorite band at the time. Okay. And as a drummer, I mean, he, you know, really looked up to Neil Peart, the the drummer mm-hmm. of Rush. And so I remember all of those songs. Like so amongst all the the history tapes that my brother made for me, he made me one tape of just Rush. Mm. And I remember listening to that thing over and over again. Yeah. And I started to get an appreciation for Rush themselves. And so probably from a younger age, they were the ones that I kind of glommed on to. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually until high school that I really, really started uh, appreciating the likes of Led Zeppelin mm. um, and some of the, the more classic rock, the Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. I really got into Aerosmith in the, in, in the 90s. I loved Get a Grip, mm-hmm. uh, which was the one that had... Um, the 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 triumvirate of crazy amazing crazy amazing and uh, I forget what the other one but they all sounded the same <laughs> um, and then uh, of course uh, living on the edge mm. which was an awesome song mm-hmm. uh, it came out after pump uh, came out uh, before permanent vacation their last they're like there were two big big ones from the eighties mm-hmm. late eighties and um, it was. I mean, I, I can say I can say that I've seen like a lot of these bands that my brother turned me on to at a young age. Fortunately, like in concert. Mm-hmm. So you know, I've seen I saw Rush uh, about three or four times before they uh, retired. Actually, my son's very first rock and sh- rock and roll show was a Rush concert nice. Good at job, five years Dad. old. Good job, Dad. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I saw Page and Plant when they were on tour mm. in I the nineties. That. That, that. that was a great show. Mm. And I know I've seen Aerosmith, um, but the one band and they were fe- that was featured on Volume Two of of my history lesson uh, actually was REM, which was sort of a newer band. Well, I wouldn't say newer band at the time, uh, but it was a newer song of theirs. Mm-hmm. And when it was the song "Losing My Religion." Mm. Which I mean, that's that's the one that everybody seems to know. If it's not everybody hurts, yeah, uh, it's losing my religion, and probably the one that's received some of the most airplay of any REM song. And I can still listen to that song without a problem, without it getting old. And I remember when I heard it for the very first time. It was actually my sister's wedding, and I was I had you know the mm-hmm. headphones on, tape deck rolling. And sitting on the edge of a table, suffering from poison ivy, uh, after the rehearsal, wedding rehearsal had finished, 
and uh, all of a sudden I hear the strum pattern of my, of of Peter Buck's mandolin, mm-hmm. and that that snare hit from uh, Bill Berry, and I was just warped, yeah, into another world. And it was at that moment that it was like my I felt like my eyes were opened. Hmm. You know, it, it it's it was an ethereal feeling of being alive and discovering something at the same hmm. time. Wow. And probably from that point on, REM was my all time favorite band. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. I, I have every single album of theirs. I'm a I've I'm a long time fan. Never got to see them in concert. Yeah, I never got to see them either. I and it's so funny that you say that about losing my religion. I think I've actually said that to my wife before. I never have ever gotten tired of hearing that song. Yeah. Never. And it's funny that you say that. I feel the same way about it. Well, you know, there are some songs that will come out from bands and you're just like, I am so tired of hearing this song. <laughs> for sure. And, and I'm sure that for many out there, that song is like that for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially when it came out in 1990, 91, uh, and it was probably all over the radio, but not the radio that I was listening to. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't, I had never heard it before yeah. until my brother had put it on the mixtape. Mm. And wow. I mean, with all the bands that, you know, were put on there from The Who and The Guess Who and Kansas and Heart, uh, Boston, um, other bands that I honestly can't even remember the names of anymore. Mm. Um, I mean, even Pearl Jam Alive made it onto an album, mm. onto went to a onto a mixtape, and um, and I, I definitely resonated musically, maybe not lyrically so much, but musically with the uh, music of the grunge movement. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, hmm. you know, little REM with yeah. their with their mandolins and. And acoustic guitars and string sections won me over. Yeah, yeah. They had a span there of albums that were just A+, plus, A+, plus, oh, yeah. A+. Plus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, early band experience for you. What, so you didn't pick up the guitar until you were, did you say in college, out of college? It was the, uh, the summer between my, fresh, my senior year in high school and freshman year in college. Okay. Okay. That's when I picked it up. So did you hop into a band at that point? Were you just playing in your room? I was just playing in my room at the time. Okay. And uh, actually, I mean, truth be told, the guitar that I bought after uh, high school sat in the corner for six months mm. uh, because the blisters, not the blisters, but the, the calluses <laughs> hurt. Yeah, they hurt. And I was like, man, this is just for the birds. Yeah. Um, and eventually... I thought to myself, I spent a good deal of money on this guitar. What kind was it? Do you remember? It was a Fender J, not J, uh, but a Fender D20, I think, at the mm. time. It's it's kind of one of their lower-end guitars now, but at the time, it was probably mid-range. Yeah. And, because uh, that was like a, a $600 guitar at oh, the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And it was red. Is red. I still have it. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. Good. It's Good. Uh, she is my muse. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, I still have that guitar. I love that guitar. Almost looks as good as the day I bought it. Uh, it's been, it's seen things. It's been through things, and I have cleaned it up and taken it to repair shops. And I'm sure they're looking at me like, "Why are you getting this thing fixed?" <laughs> um, but I love that guitar. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it sat in the corner for six months, and I finally decided I need to learn how to play this thing. Yeah. And so I took lessons at IRC Music in Castleton sure, sure. when they were still there. Yeah. And that's, I, I took them, f- it was sometime, you know, 
probably the second semester of my freshman year in college. I can't remember how long mm-hmm. I was actually uh, taking lessons, but um, I loved that guitar. And so I, I, I know a lot of the times I, you know, after I stopped taking lessons, I just wanted to learn songs that I knew, mm-hmm. you know, or, or familiar sure. with. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that was trying to dive into Zeppelin, and that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's diving into them first, yeah. that, if, if you don't do, if you do that, that's probably enough to turn anybody away from learning how to sure. play the guitar. Because, well, especially when they don't tell you that, oh, he's tuned his guitar differently sometimes. Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. Like, the entire Zeppelin three album is recorded like a half step down. Yeah. Uh, at least I think it is. I'm not entirely sure because I remember trying to play Tangerine yeah. uh, to Zep 3 and, and I was like, I'm in tune here, but I'm not, yeah. it doesn't sound like the album. What's going on? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was it was a mess. Yeah. So I finally was like, okay, I'm still going to keep with this, but I'm going to put the Zeppelin book to the side. Yeah. You persevered. I, per- I persevered. Yeah. I, and I, I learned newer things, mm-hmm. um, things that I enjoyed playing and uh that's just and in fact there was a time when i even gave guitar lessons mm-hmm. oh, really? um and my method was to learn songs that like to teach the song mm-hmm. that someone wanted to learn because i felt like if you're if you have an investment in a particular song mm-hmm. that means you'll want to learn how to play it true yeah and so that's that's how i approached it yeah. uh and because that's how i learned mm-hmm. yeah Cool. So what was your first band? Do you remember? My first band uh, was a band called In the Stillness. It was in college. Okay. And Which, and where'd you go to college? I went to Purdue. Okay. Oh, that's right. We did. Yes. Talk, I remember. I'm a boiler. That's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, side note, my brother went to Ball State. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was it was me and two other people. And I switched between acoustic guitar and hand percussion. Okay. And it was uh, a Christian band at the time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the songs that we played were ones that uh, my roommate and uh, I would call the lead guitar player mm-hmm. uh, that he wrote. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a couple that we did together. There was, there was even one that, that I wrote, but you know, I look back on it now and I'm like, that should just stay in history. That doesn't need to ever see the light of day again. Uh, but actually one of those songs that, that uh, came out of that band is going to be appearing on my upcoming album. Okay. So, um, but that was, that was honestly the first and only band mm-hmm. that I was in um outside of like playing at church and stuff like that mm-hmm. but never really kind of got into the in, into playing in bands because I had a job. Mm-hmm. Right. I just didn't have the time for it, you right. know? Right. Yeah. Well, how do you do it now? You, you're so Well, now. I have I have a very forgiving job is what I do. Okay. A very or a very um allowing job, I should mm-hmm. say. Yeah. So they're very supportive. Okay. Good. Good. Well, let's dig into the music a little more yeah. on your music. Um, uh, tell me about how you would define or describe your genre. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that's that's always been a tough one for me because um, I feel like it, it pulls from so many different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like... You know, guitar, heavy guitar-driven rock. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like I said, I, I really resonated with what a lot of the the grunge sound, the alternative sound of the '90s. 
Um, but I realized that that wasn't necessarily what I would produce myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I consider myself an, um, an alternative singer-songwriter. Okay. So, uh, or a better way to put it is like if Simon and Garfunkel met the Foo Fighters. <laughs> and um so I love that. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. So I'll have I'll I'll have some acoustic sensibilities and I'll have some of that some of that more uh heavy guitar driven rock sensibility all on the same album. Right. Right. And that was you definitely heard that on my first album, mm-hmm. uh, Make Something Happen Here, mm-hmm. where it was that and you can hear the influences there as well. For sure. Um Lyrically, you know, I was pulling from. It, it's hard not to pull from Rush. Mm-hmm. Um, sonically, I was pulling from the Foo Fighters and probably uh, unintentionally Alice in Chains, mm. um, and even stylistically uh, pulling from REM. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, heard some REM in there. Yeah, yeah, as well as some kind of more folkish bands mm-hmm. um, that that had a heavy influence on me in the late nineties. And, uh, so that's when I finally put together my album. Um, that's what came out Mm -hmm. musically. Mm -hmm. And for me, the music always comes first. The lyrics come second. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so musically, this is, this is what was coming out. And so the, the one where I feel like I am a a shameless ripoff artist uh, is actually the song Remains of Time, um, which is the seventh track on mm-hmm. the album, mm-hmm. one that I released as a single, but one that was co-written with my producer and cousin, John Gillespie. Uh, it was actually a conversation that he had with his then five-year-old daughter, and she asked him, what is time made of? Oh, wow. And, oh, wow. you know, just kind of like these, you know, you know, the, the yeah. kind of questions that kids come up with that when you hear them as an adult, you're like, wow, that's that's, pro- that's, profound. that's profound. I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so when when I was recording my first album, I actually went into the studio with no lyrics, hmm. just music. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. And so I had like three or four songs that I had that I had laid down tracks for. And my cousin said, hey, I have this song, you know, if you want to use it, uh, maybe it can work with one of the, mm-hmm. you know, one of the songs that you've already written. Mm-hmm. So I was trying that, trying that out, and I was like, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. And so it got its own tune, like separate from what I had been working on. And it actually came fairly quickly. I had the song probably pretty much done within a day or two. and. Uh, when I, and I had to learn, I taught myself bass for this album. Okay. So I, I play guitar and bass and sing and write. My brother played the drums on the album, okay. uh, and another gentleman, um, uh, who's sadly right now, the, the name escapes me. It's Tim something. Mm. It's terrible. I can't remember his name. Um, but he played lead guitar. Okay. And, uh, so it was mostly self-contained mm-hmm. but for that that baseline for the beginning of remains of time i was i was really kind of feeling like the song koyahoga uh which is off of uh rem's album life's rich pageant okay which was recorded in bloomington is that right so there's still an indiana connection okay i like um, it. I like it 
and uh, actually by John Mellencamp's producer. Okay. And uh, it, so, I mean, it's it doesn't sound exactly the same, mm-hmm. but there's that the the song Cuyahoga comes in with like the, this do 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 like beginning of the song, mm-hmm. and Remains of Time has a has a similar okay kind of baseline intro um, that also pulls a little bit from REM's even their later stuff um, with kind of like a xylophone kind of thing going, yeah. okay. which is something that you hear more on their later stuff that uh, once their drummer, Bill Berry, retired mm-hmm. um, and they started figuring out, okay, how's our sound going to be? Mm-hmm. And it was very experimental. Mm-hmm. So it kind of pulls from two different eras of R.E.M. for one song. So that came out in 2021? Uh, officially, it came, yes. Officially, it was. I, I finished it in December of 2020. I started releasing singles in January of 2021. Okay. Um, it was officially released to the world via Bandcamp in May of 2021, but... You know, not everyone's going to Bandcamp. Right. Uh, so then I it love was. Bandcamp. I know you got. You, I love it. it. Bandcamp's great. And you got my album off Bandcamp. I Thank did. you very much. I did. Yeah. Um, but I re- then I released it for streaming everywhere okay. in December of 2021. Yeah. yeah. So I had released like six singles and then I re- just dropped the album. Okay. Where'd the title come from? I love that you ask that. Uh, there's actually this. Uh, I, I had been sitting on a title for the album. Mm-hmm. Um, it would, I didn't want to call it Maybe It's Time because that seemed too easy. Mm. It's like it's the first track on the album. I mean, you know, what? That's my debut album. What, I'm just going to call it the, the first? It seems so unoriginal. <laughs> um, but the, the concept behind the album 
was my what I call my political deconstruction mm. uh, or my divorce from politics because my background is in politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, I remember I was, is this was after we had moved, mm-hmm. and I was on my way home from a jog, and I passed this light pole that's actually outside of my... Um, oldest two, uh, they go to Heron High School. Okay. And so there was this lamppost outside of Heron High School, and I'm jogging down, and I just see someone had scribbled on there, make something happen here. Nice. And I was like, it just struck me. I was like, yeah. that's that's what I feel like the message is of of the album. So nowhere on the album does that does that phrasing appear. Hmm. Um, but to me, that was, see, to, to me, the, the, the album itself is sort of a call to action. Maybe it's time is a call to action, a call to action song. Um, but the entire album was kind of, I, I kind of saw it as a sort of a call to action because it was, um, post pandemic. Well, it was written mostly during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it had, like I said, it was, there was a lot of political deconstructing going on in that album. And so it felt like. When I say make something happen here, that can mean writ large. That can be be me personally. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so I snapped a picture of that of that thing and did a little photo editing, made it my album cover, and okay. and also the name of the album. Yeah. Okay. And to me, that 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 just summed up everything yeah. that I was trying to say. It was like make something happen here. Yeah. I love the title. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and and you've touched on this. Other themes that are kind of foundational for the album. Well, uh, yeah. So the the way I kind of approached it, uh, it wasn't intentionally a concept album, but it kind of became a concept album mm-hmm. the more I thought about it, mm-hmm. and it was meant to be. If, if this is kind of probably the worst way to describe an album, if it's like a thesis paper, mm. a college thesis. Um, it's like, maybe it's time is the introduction. This is where I'm making my thesis statement Mm -hmm. and, uh, that things need to change. We kind of, the world's kind of messed up right now Mm -hmm. on many fronts and we need to do something about that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's time we did something about that. Mm -hmm. And then each song kind of works its way through different issues, um, kind of making the argument Mm -hmm. for it. And uh, the conclusion um, first starts with the song Pinocha, which is an instrumental, mm-hmm. which leads into the final beautiful. song. Thank beautiful. you. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. I, that I really liked. That that one was a lot, a lot of fun to put together. Yeah, I uh, I made a note on that one that I I felt like, and you referenced some of the sounds you were going for. I heard a little bit of like early David Crosby. Oh, oh really? Yeah. I it's just when I was listening well, to you. it, yeah, that oh, was my you. frame of reference when he released his um his first uh solo EP mm-hmm. or, or record. It was if I could only remember my name. Mm-hmm. It, just lots of great acoustic on there and it it took me back to that album. Cool. Yeah. So, well, thank you. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh I I did a, a songwriters in the in the round at Moondrops Distillery in Fortville mm-hmm. uh back in February. Mm-hmm. And afterwards one of the people talked to me and she said you you know you reminded me a lot of America, mm. the band America. Mm-hmm. 
just from the way that the songs were formed mm-hmm. and how I was singing them. Yeah. Um, and mind you, I was pulling from a couple of different albums at the time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, still, a lot of the main ones were from mm-hmm. Make Something Happen Here. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, Pinocha is kind of like the the instrumental, here is my final case. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Pinocha is meant to... So Pinocha itself is... Uh, and I, I, I had this, to look it up. Yeah, this is where I start nerding out. Um, <laughs> really, ner- if if you think the the if, you know a college paper, a term paper is a terrible way to define to describe a a record, this is going to be even worse. Um, Pinocha is one of the seven supercontinents. Yeah, and it you know if anyone is ever thinking about supercontinents at all. <laughs> You know, they're they're thinking of maybe Pangaea. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 the known one. You okay. know, and it, they probably think that's probably the only one. No, there were seven. And Pinocha. When I was looking through the list of supercontinents, um, Pinocha is like I've never heard of that one. Yeah. I've heard of the others. You know, even in passing, I've heard of the others, but I've never heard of this one. So I'm going with that so one. I'm gonna give it some love. So I'm gonna give it some love. And it, so it's supposed to evoke. Um, groaning and straining mm-hmm. and so there are supposed to be sounds of groaning in that in that song like mm-hmm. the the whole album has been we've been going through you know whether it's political strife emotional strife uh societal strife all these things it's the groaning the the birth pangs of 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 creation and formation um that are supposed to be evoking evoked in that particular song and then sing for the day is just kind of like the release mm. uh, like you know this is it's it's the hope okay um and i mean i touch on a lot of different things in that album the remains of time is probably the one that sticks out just because it wasn't like lyrically it wasn't written by me mm-hmm. um but still there is that connective tissue because i wanted the album to be about um, everything that I've talked about, but also hit on family mm. um, and even faith in some way. Mm-hmm. But you know the struggles with that, mm-hmm. uh, especially in light of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of that plays, all of that plays out with, again at the end, there the the final song kind of being like a song of hope. Hmm. Okay, did you write? the songs for the album or were they just in a catalog that you had? I wrote them for the album. You wrote them for the album. So I honestly, you know, I, I, again, songs like the tunes come first for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the longest time, lyrics would not hmm. like ever. <laughs> uh, so there are, there are two songs on the album, like tunes mm-hmm. on the album that are 16 and 15 and 16 years old. Uh, when I when I recorded them, mm. uh, India Blue, which is which is the first instrumental, right? Um, that kind of seemed like as that that seemed like a bridge to me. Like, like if you're listening to that, that was the end of side one. India okay. Blue is the end of side okay. one, and then you always got to come in with a punch in the face mm-hmm. uh, when you start when you flip that record over and start side two, and that's where you get slave to the party. And it's a rocker. It is a rocker. It is a rocker. Um, but India Blue is was an instrumental that I wrote that I never felt like it had, was going to ever going to have words, mm-hmm. and another story, uh, which went through many mental iterations mm-hmm. before it landed on what it's about, mm-hmm. um, uh, was also was probably actually one of the first songs that I wrote after I got married. Okay. So tune, okay, tune wise, okay, 
but lyrically it did not get its purpose until uh, all the songs were written between 2019, like probably September of 2019 to July of 2021. Okay. Or 2020, excuse me. Okay. Okay. And India Blue, you said was an older song, but did you, was that a new recording though? That was. Yeah. It okay. absolutely yeah. was a new recording. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Everything was a brand new recording. Yeah. There, there are no holdovers. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, there's a lot of texture and nuance in the record, just stuff happening in the background. I really like, um, some instrumental effects that mm-hmm. I like. Um, the other thing I really, I was noticing today, um, on Spotify, the videos that play in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know where you pulled those from, but they're excellent. They fit the songs, which Thank you. which I guess ideally they should. They should. Yeah. But I mean, they really fit the songs. Thank you. I wish they could be longer. Kind yeah, of longer than the seven loop. seconds. Yeah, they yeah. loop kind of quick. But uh, so for the listeners, I would definitely recommend a buy the record. Thank you. But yes. then yeah, buy the record. But then you know you can get on Spotify and check it out. Absolutely. Well. Whether whether you buy it or whether you listen to it. Uh, obviously, I prefer you buy. But if you just happen to listen to it, I'm okay with that right. too. Yeah, yeah. So, did you pick those videos? I'm assuming I did. Yeah. I did. I uh, worked them a bit. Um, I they're the royalty free things. Mm, okay. Um, and I worked them over a bit in Canva and through a couple of other uh, platforms before really? I inserted them as. Um, Canvases, I believe that's what they're called. Okay, I've used Canva, but I've never delved into that part. I guess mm-hmm. so. I think that the Canva part was mostly to help me make sure that I got the proper dimensions. Okay, yeah. So yeah, um, personal favorites right now of mine from the record, "Wake Up Dead Man," and I know that's getting a lot of uh, that is attention. getting a lot of that's getting a lot of attention lately. Yeah, it is. Um, I think I even heard you say that somewhere in Asia or Australia, Australia, somebody had streamed it from Australia. Yeah, well, uh, and it was, I just found out this morning that it got put on a playlist in Finland. Really? Yeah. That just, that blows my mind. It blows my mind too. Yeah. Which is great. No, I'm loving it. Yeah. That's great. I'm loving it. Uh, souvenirs of war. I really like. Oh, thank you. I like them all, but, and then no, I, I another story. I love the trippy guitar. Oh, thank you. Uh, on that record. That, that, was, that was definitely all Tim's work there. Yeah. Uh, he did just a fantastic job. And I'm, I'm mentally kicking myself for forgetting his last name. Um, <laughs> I think it's on the, I think I saw the name it's on, on Bandcamp, right? Where you yeah, list the. I do. And, and it's actually on the physical copy of the album. His name is on there. Okay. Um, okay. And, uh, but yes, it is on Bandcamp. Okay. Uh, I, I want to make sure that uh, those who play on my album get the recognition right. that they deserve. Right, sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, Tim did some great work on that. Uh, I, I said that I was looking for something a little bluesy. Mm-hmm. Um, the song is meant to be a kind of song that leads you down a path of, um, I, I mean, I, I'll be pretty straightforward with it. Usually, typically I, I like to let people give me their opinions on what they think mm-hmm. the song is about. Mm-hmm. But I've been pretty open about what another story is about. It's about gaslighting. Mm. Um, so I wanted that kind of trippy, jazzy guitar that would lead you to be like, "What am I hearing?" Mm-hmm. You know, it is like, yeah, it just kind of takes you on a bit of a journey. Oh, it's fantastic! I love that. I've I don't know why I've always been drawn to that trippy, ethereal mm-hmm. kind of sound. Yeah, it has that. So yeah, kudos. Um, yeah. What personal favorites for you, if, if I could even ask, or ones that you enjoy playing live when you're sure. out? Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoy, 
it's it's easy to say all of them um but ones that i enjoy playing i think that i would enjoy playing i enjoy playing like souvenirs of war with the band mm -hmm. even though it takes on a different entirely different sound mm -hmm. when it's played with the band than it does on the album because the album version has strings mm -hmm. and I can't play with strings. Mm. Um, with a, I don't. I don't carry a string section with me. Uh, <laughs> not in the budget, <laughs> right? It's, it's definitely not in the budget. Yeah. Um, I've really enjoyed playing "Wake Up, Dead Man" lately, uh, acoustically and uh, with the band. Uh, like I said, we have a gig coming up May seventh at the Melody Inn in Indianapolis, and uh, we've been playing that playing that uh, in practice. So it's it's on the set list. Mm -hmm. Spoiler. Um, and uh, the work that my lead guitarist Carl Hartman is doing right now, he just he muscles his way in with a uh, is it okay to say balls to the wall? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Balls to the wall, wall of sound type. Get out of my way, lead singer. This is my turn. Mm kind of guitar solo hmm. okay and he does an amazing job yeah. i mean it, he just nails it uh so that's that's a lot of fun um i i enjoy playing maybe it's time whether it's uh acoustically or with the band uh i maybe it's time has actually become like our warm-up song hmm. we know that one so well hmm. um and uh, we haven't actually as a band we haven't played like the latter half of the album too much okay uh i i can't see playing you know tracks like india blue or Pinocha uh live although i would love to mm -hmm. um india blue is just me and strings mm -hmm. uh i do i have always enjoyed playing that song mm -hmm. even uh without any accompaniment um i i, I really enjoy that song uh, I heard you say, I think when I tuned into your, one of your live Instagram feeds the other day that you've got two versions of wake up dead man. I do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So my wife actually helped. So as I was putting, you know, like when I would do the final touches of a song, mm -hmm. uh, I would always run it by my wife first, who mm -hmm. is definitely much more of a wordsmith than I am. Now she's not a lyricist, but I mean, she has a, uh, she's a writer and has a good command of, of you know, of writing in general. Mm -hmm. So I would run my songs by her. And the first version that I had with Wake Up Dead Man that I that even has like there is out there in the ether, uh my personal ether. Um <laughs> no one has it. A, a a recorded version of the alternate version of Wake Up Dead Man. Okay. So Wake Up Dead Man to me, like the the inspiration behind it, uh it was originally called, and again, this was with when it didn't have lyrics. So I would some sometimes songs that didn't have lyrics would still get names because I had an idea of what I thought mm -hmm. it might be about, mm -hmm. uh, and I had called this one the Bureau because to me it was going to be about, um, uh, it was going to be about the government and uh, not secrecy, but just like the red tape, just mm -hmm. the. You know the 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 hardness of and my and my nephew uh, had had painted uh, actually not even painted he had, he had done it in crayon um, he's an artist and he had done this piece of work called the bureau and I was like well this is perfect hmm. and essentially it was of 
you see this person at a desk just writing stuff down and passing it to someone behind him. And it keeps on going up, 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 up this staircase. Only at the end of the staircase, it gets dropped off a cliff. <laughs> and to me, that was like, that's that's a perfect symbolism of government. Yeah. Um, and so it was going to be called the Bureau. And uh, I had given my brother the tracks to the songs. I think only one may have actually had lyrics put to it. Mm. Uh, and so when he recorded his drum parts, the Bureau did not have lyrics. But he, I told him, just do whatever you want to do with the songs. Or I trust you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we'll kind of go from there. And when I first heard what he did, I was like, oh, this song's about something else. Mm. Mm, interesting. And I started singing the line, Wake Up Dead Man to it, which is actually also the name of a U2 song off of their uh, album Pop. Okay. It's the very last track, I believe. Okay. Um, and, uh, but I, I just started singing that like to the chorus. I was like, wake up, dead man. Mm. I was like, okay, I have a song. Mm. It's called Wake Up, Dead Man. And the imagery that I was thinking of was, I was thinking of all the like the police brutality that was in the news at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot that had occurred because of that. Mm. And so the, a lot of that, I was weaving in a lot of that imagery um, into the song. And my wife said, I know what you're going for, but I think we need to try something else. And so she went with... Um, there is a an, an Old Testament story of the dry bones in the desert coming to life. Hmm. Being, it's a vision that one of the prophets have. Hmm. And it was that played into it. Like she took some of the, the ideas that I was trying to get across mm-hmm. in the, in the in a, uh, original song, and she helped me come up with more descriptive concepts. Okay. Enemy, Lord. 
so uh, it completely changed the song. And so what we what we ended up with, it still has the 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 meaning is still the same to me, mm-hmm. but um, it it takes on more of that uh, that reference to rising up out of the ashes mm-hmm. uh, and being made alive again. Um, so it's it's you know kind of more of a phoenix figure, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Great. I love knowing all that backstory. I know yeah. as an artist sometimes as you said, you want the the, the listener mm-hmm. to figure it out or let it be what it will be to them, but yes. it's always nice to get a little of the behind the scenes as to what was going on. Yeah, I've 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 become more open about it. Originally, I would be very coy mm-hmm. about certain things, uh and that was very intentional. Mm-hmm. Um but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this is what I mean, I want to know what people think when they hear these songs. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear their opinions um and what they think that they hear. Uh but this is what the song's about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right, very good. Well, let's transition to your live performance. Yeah. Uh, you're very active on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how do you find those platforms? Do you enjoy working on those platforms? I assume you do, or you wouldn't be doing it. But what? Yeah. Well, talk about that a little bit. Sure. Uh, admittedly, the idea is not mine. It was stolen. <laughs> uh, there is a an artist, uh, a, a singer songwriter by the name of Derek Webb, who's one of my all time favorite musicians. Okay. Um, he's his his goal in life is to have as as few fans as possible. Um, <laughs> he 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 likes he he presses on the nerve quite okay. a bit. Okay. Um, and I don't know. There's something about that that I like about him. Okay. <laughs> and I don't always agree with the stuff that he's writing, yeah. but I can appreciate where he's coming from. Yeah. Anyway, so he does these things called two for Tuesdays. Mm. Or well, it used to be uh, it used to be two and two on Tuesday. Okay. And then I started after he moved him to Wednesdays. Uh, I forget what he calls it now. It's like two and two on Wednesday. Um, I started doing two for two on Tuesday. Okay. And he would do it during the day. I'd do it during the evening. And eventually I switched over because I was getting nobody watching mm. those in those early days. And I was like, I sort of reformatted it. I called it, you know, I thought I would do it during the day instead mm-hmm. since, I mean, that seems to work for him. Maybe it'll work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knows I do this. Mm-hmm. I'm actually one of his patrons. I have a monthly, you know, Patreon call with him and other people who are in the same uh, okay. tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he knows what I'm doing. And I told him, I was like, I've totally ripped off your idea. He's <laughs> like, dude, do it. It's like, whatever works. Um, and... Yeah, so I I live stream every Thursday mm-hmm. at twelve thirty. I call it "Let's Break for Lunch." Mm-hmm. I play two of my songs, and that can span my first album to the album that I'm recording to the album that I'm working on writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I try not to play stuff from the third album. I and I I, I reference the third album quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not out yet, <laughs> nor nor has it even even wrote, remotely been recorded. Uh, there's I, I have scratch tracks that I've done, okay, uh, but they're for the band, okay. Um, but I try to make sure that my patrons hear the new songs first before I play them mm. on okay. 
on uh, a Let's Break for Lunch. Just because, I mean, it's like, I feel like I, I'm doing this to build fans. I'm doing this to build community, and I want to reward them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to check out my Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Josh Gillespie Music. There you go. Shameless plug. <laughs> you and, beat me to it. I had Oh, okay. Up. Well, we can always come back to it, Darren. <laughs> we can always come back to it. Uh, so... Um, yeah, so I do that every every Thursday, and it's it is it's a lot of fun. You know, you only get so many people when you do it live, mm-hmm. uh, but it's you know there are people who will watch later, and that's what I appreciate. Yeah. And uh, it's just a, a a good way to connect with and build community, and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the goal of what I want to be as an artist mm-hmm. is to to build that community, to have uh, a group of people who. You know, if they want to be my musical writer dies, great. Um, but it's it's developing that and and rewarding the people who are interested in my music mm-hmm. and trying to make it more accessible mm-hmm. uh, so that they can. Because I mean, I'm I'm not a big name person. Mm-hmm. I probably won't ever be, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm absolutely fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if someone resonates with my music and they're in Finland, for instance, exactly, yeah, <laughs> or Australia, yeah, they can still see me do something live, yeah, yeah. even if it's I online. It. I love it, yeah. Uh, and then actual outperforming shows. You've been doing some solo gigs. You mm-hmm. said so. Is the band? Is this a new band for you? Are you? Uh, have you guys done some gigging, or is this? We did uh, the the only time that we have played live together mm-hmm. uh, was actually at the Irvington Battle of the Bands. Okay, and uh, I submitted my material to them, uh, which was recorded mostly, you know, like I said, mm-hmm. by me and and my brother and and Tim. Um, <laughs> we're gonna find Tim's. We're name. gonna find Tim's last name. Yeah. We are, um, and so. You know, that got us into the Battle of the Bands. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we practiced like crazy for it. Uh, how which long, How long ago was this? This this was back in September. Okay. So fairly no, recently. No, Octo- I'm, t- I'm sorry. That was October. So fairly recently. Yeah, fairly recently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there was an opportunity to play at the Melody. But if you're playing at the Melody, you have to play with a band. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you, don't, you can't do right. a solo gig. Yeah. Uh, and the band and I had, have, have been meeting, you know, uh, it at first it was every other week just to kind of, you know, kind of get back into the rhythm of things. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, maybe we'll play during the summer, mm-hmm. you know, play out during the summer. But then, yeah, that opportunity for the melody arrived and we're like, let's jump at this, let's mm-hmm. do it. And so we're going to be playing music from the first, second and upcoming third album. It uh, doesn't exist. That yet. doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Uh, but that the thing about doing that though, and why I'm doing and why I'm doing that, is because the band will be on the third album. Okay. They will be. So this will. So the band is called the Nomad Collective. Okay. Thank so you. So Josh Gillespie and the Nomad Collective. Love it. And so the third album will be the first full band album mm-hmm. that I've done. Now my drummer is appearing on the second album. Okay. Um, I I've known him for quite a while, and uh, he just 
you know, I just knew it would be easy easy to work with him mm-hmm. on this one. And it wasn't a slight to the other guys. It was more or less. It was it was mostly because what I'm working on in the second album is still very much me, and not necessarily something that I think would fit the band. Mm-hmm. The second album is going to sound entirely different from the first album. Okay. Which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Well, now I'm excited. <laughs> when do you anticipate that will be out? Summer. Summer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm done giving dates, so I'll give seasons. Because <laughs> uh, we thought we had something in mind, and it's just timing. Honestly, yeah. uh, there are there are a lot of projects going on uh, at the engine room, which is where I record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, unfortunately, my producer actually has to do. He's he's also in the military. He has to do some duty. Mm. Uh, for a month in Tennessee. Okay. Uh, so that takes him off the project for a while. Okay. But I will actually be releasing a single before he leaves. Well, not before he leaves. It'll be after he leaves, but he'll, he's he's finishing it up before he leaves. It's a song called Peace of My Heart. Okay. Um, and it fits probably more along the third album model mm-hmm. uh, in terms of music. Um, but it's just, it's a fun little pop rock tune. Mm. Uh, that's about unrequited love, mm-hmm. um, right. and uh, yeah, it's uh, wrote wrote it last year, and I'm excited to get that out. There's another song that I've been working on. Uh, it's actually an acu- it's not an acoustic cover, but it's it's it, it's a cover of Toad the Wet Sprocket's song uh, "Fall Down" okay. from their 1994 album Dulcinea. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, if no one's heard Dulcinea, listen to Dulcinea. It is, a, it, it is a magnificent album. Okay. Um, and so I'm actually I have I'm finishing up a cover of that. Just there are a few minor things that need to be fixed, uh, and so I'm waiting on my. I was recording that with my cousin, so I'm waiting on him to get me the the, the final version of that. Mm-hmm. But that song actually happens to feature not only the the string player from Souvenirs of War in India Blue, mm-hmm. uh, and Seasons. She also appears on Seasons, jo- uh, Joni Fuller, mm-hmm. but also uh, the former touring drummer for Toad the Wet Sprocket. Is on that on that oh, track? Really? Yeah. Nice. Uh, he was the touring drummer at the time of the recording. Hmm. Uh, I only recently found out during a live uh, uh, Glenn Phillips live stream that he has since left the band to tour with a country act. Okay. So I'm a little bit disappointed about that, but yeah. you know. interesting. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, so let's talk. Let's touch just for a minute because we've alluded to it a little bit. Your podcast, Voices of Indie. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me what motivated you to start that and just give a little background on that. It's, sure. You're doing an excellent job with it. Thank you. It, I love watching it. it. It keeps me busy, but, um, busier, I, busier. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I do. I do love it. It's, uh, what started as a playlist on Spotify called voices of Indie. Okay. Uh, became the podcast okay. and, you know, I've I've been kind of pretty straightforward with it that I started the podcast for selfish reasons, mm. and that was to to get me and hopefully my music in front of other musicians in Indianapolis. Okay. Um, and I started off. Uh, my very first guest was uh, an Americana singer by the name of T. A. Parker, a good friend of mine, and it was sort of supposed to be an offshoot of Two for Tuesdays. Okay. And um. So I would do it on Thursday. I would do it once a month on the first Thursday of the month. Okay. And I would feature a a musician, a local musician, and they would play and I would play. And so if you go back and watch that very first Voices of Indie, mm-hmm. which was recorded in my living room, mm. um, okay. you'll see that I play. 
but I have not played in one since hmm. because I felt so uh, self conscious isn't the right. Well, maybe self conscious, but not because I played a song, but because that show really should have been about TA hmm. and not me. Hmm. And I kind of horned myself in there by playing Remains of Time. Hmm. You know, into 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 his bit. So I need to have TA on again. Um, I've even said as much as like, dude, I feel bad now because I, I need to have you on again, mm. just because I feel like I horned in on your episode. Um, and he's like, oh no no no, it's fine. And I was like, well, it, it was it was the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, I was still trying to, I was still feeling it out. Mm-hmm. And um, so that the, the the original intention that was the original intention, uh, and. I eventually saw it as a way just as to get to know the different artistic communities within Indianapolis mm-hmm. because I had moved from Fishers into downtown Indianapolis and I wanted to connect somehow. Mm-hmm. And whether it was, well, and the only way that I really knew how to do it because it wasn't like my music was taking off mm-hmm. and we were still sort of under, you know, kind of, uh, quarantining mm-hmm. kind of things. I don't, it was things, you know, not entirely sure what was going on. Um, it just wasn't easy to play out. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to give musicians and other artists a way to play out, but perform for the masses. Cause I had, I had taken in a number of online live streams of bands and other artists. And I, I personally enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you can still go back on YouTube and watch some of those performances of of bands, you know, doing those old quarantine performances. Right. right yeah. Uh, and they're great. Mm-hmm. They're awkward now, but <laughs> the, the performances are great. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to to provide that for and 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 for other people to get to know. Mm-hmm. You know the musicians and other things that are going on in Indianapolis. It's really taken on this, as I call it, season two, uh, which started in January. Uh, it's really taken on a music-heavy approach mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it previously fo- featured musical artists, theatrical artists, visual artists, uh, so that people could get to know the different kind of artistic mm-hmm. communities within Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was always the intent. Uh, but I've really focused on music this time around. I went from being initially recording once a month to twice a month to three times a month to now four times a month. So you're doing it every week. I right? do it every week now. And it airs Monday. It airs. I record it on Tuesday. I stream it on uh, Tuesday nights. I stream it on mon- the following Monday nights. At 8 o'clock. At 8 o'clock. Eastern on, time. Yes. On YouTube.com slash at Voices of Indy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like you, I because uh, we've had this discussion uh, before that you know now it's people contacting me, being yeah. like, I don't have to make do the, do the work, the legwork. Right, they're coming to me now. Yeah, and that's exciting. Yeah, that's very. It's a little bit overwhelming because now I'm getting some people like I got a, a random text message the other night, being like, Hey, I want to be on Voices of Indie, and I'm like, <laughs> Who is this? I did. I said, Sorry, who is this? Yeah. And they never responded. <laughs> uh, and you said you're booked out quite a ways, right? I am booked into June. Oh um, and I mean, honestly, July, August will be will be filling up here pretty soon too, just because I need to respond to some 
uh, Instagram direct messages. My apologies. If you also happen to listen to this podcast and you're like, Josh, you haven't responded to me. Uh, one, thank you for listening to Darren's podcast. He's doing great thank work. You. Thank you. Uh, there needs to be more podcasts like what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But I will get back to you, I promise. I promise. <laughs> I just don't know when, but I promise I'll get back to you. Oh, and you, um, as before we hit record, um, we talked about, you had a podcast once before. Just touch on that a little sure, bit. Sure, yeah. It's well, still so, available. No, it is. It is. Actually, this is how, not this particular podcast, mm-hmm. um, but I've been doing podcasting since 2007. Mm-hmm. And originally, uh, I was doing political podcasts. And I started a political podcast with uh, a website that I had launched in 2007, um, back when blogs were still a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was the first blog in Indiana that incorporated uh, podcasting and other social media platforms mm-hmm. uh, into it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it took off. That that website took off. It even got recognized by the Washington Post. Really? Um, and I... So I was heavily involved in political podcasting, and uh, because of my work, I eventually had to give it up. Mm. Um, but eventually, I, I I started up again, um, and I would say that in the the one that's currently available mm-hmm. is called the Political Nomad, and in many ways, the Political Nomad also helped shape my first album. Oh, because what I wanted to do with the political nomad was talk about because I had gone through like my album is my not my story, but it is my journey Mm -hmm. of of, you know, a political divorce or a a political deconstruction. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to get other people's takes like I wanted to bring the humanity back to politics Mm -hmm. And to help people understand why they went from uh, more about their political journey. So most of the time, it featured people who were one part of a who were in one party but switched mm-hmm. at some point or another. Okay. And what that journey was like. And so I even created playlists for that. Uh, there's the political nomad playlist, and I and the, for the first season, each episode had its own playlist because it was like, I called it the the road trip playlist. Okay. And because if you're a nomad, you're journeying. Um, And so to me, it it only made sense to have an associating playlist. So I I would always talk to my guests afterwards and be like, so, and it was always part of the interview. It's like, so, you know, what would be on your political playlist? Mm. You know, your road trip playlist. What are you listening to? Nice. And so I would turn that into a playlist that uh, people could listen to. And so that's actually still out there. Yeah. the Political Nomad season one and one episode of season two, and I never made another one. <laughs> You're too busy with the other things I now. D- well, that's actually part of it. Yeah, I got overwhelmed with yeah. doing Voices of Indy. Yeah. And I got to be honest, I find more joy <laughs> in doing Voices of Indy than yeah. I did doing The Political uh, Nomad. I mean, I still want to bring humanity mm-hmm. uh, to politics because it's just so dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, I find more joy in. in talking about music and yeah, art and theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. Well, very good. Hey, we can wrap up here. Uh, you've been very kind with your time. Um, and you we've, you, thank you for having me on as a yeah, guest. Absolutely. And we've touched on this a little bit, but what does the rest of 2023 look like for you? So I will be wrapping up uh, Ghost Stories is the name of my second album. Okay. Uh, again, summer. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I could say a month, but if I did, it probably jinxes it. Yeah. So okay. I'll say summer. Okay. Uh, it'll be coming out summer. It's an album that really kind of tackles um, faith and depression. Mm. Um, it's uh, I wrote it in uh, I, ro- I wrote a good part of it in a, in a dark spot. Um, and in a dark spot that our family was in, not just me, mm. but, uh, my, a, a couple of my kids were also going through some, some mental challenges. Mm. And so having three people at once going through something, um, really kind of put, informs this album. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, so that's, that's what's coming up. Uh, Voices of Indy continues. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope to actually be back in the studio recording, hopefully, fingers crossed here, by the end of the year, working on album number three with the band. Wow. That's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. But I'm having so much fun. Yeah. You, you strike me as a guy that's got a lot of energy and a lot of creative thoughts going. There is a lot. There is a lot going on up here. <laughs> I will tell you that much. Uh, yeah, hopefully, it's for the good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, the results are good. Thank you. Yeah. Let's now, I'm, way. I'm, I'm really excited about. I mean, I, I'm excited about the second album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those albums where I'm like, I don't know who the exactly the audience is, mm-hmm. uh, and it's my hope that the audience finds it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's going to sound completely different from the first album. Uh, Anthony, my producer, has said as much, mm-hmm. just because his hands are going to be on. I'm working with a different producer than I did with the first time, um, and so I'm really excited. And Anthony's bringing so much energy and so much creativity to this album, uh, and he he's pushing me mm-hmm. uh, vocally in ways that I haven't been pushed before. Okay, uh, which is exciting. Mm. Good. Good. So I'm excited with with what could come of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second album, or excuse me, the third album, will, like I said, that will hit that up in uh, hopefully by the end of the year. Okay. And um, that is probably more of a sister album to the second to the first album than in, than the second one is to the first album. Okay. Um, the second one is really truly its own. Yeah animal yeah um but it's a it it, it's the part one of a sequel okay Okay. Uh, 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 well uh yeah it won't be a trilogy it'll just be a sequel (laughs) okay um okay but but the so it's like the the odd albums will go together the even albums will go together makes sense (laughs) i guess now there's math involved right yeah so term papers uh (laughs) random things about supercontinents and and math wow i really know how to pull in the listener yeah you do you do oh uh, it made me go to google so that was a good there thing. we go yeah. learning something new every day yeah so finally ways that and we've touched on some of this already but ways that fans can connect with you they can sure. find you yeah uh josh gillespie.com uh, g-i-l-l-e-s-p-i-e that is my website um, but where, if you really want to find out what's going on with ghost stories and future albums, uh, where a lot of the creativity is taking place, it's taking place on Patreon mm-hmm. and that's at patreon.com slash Josh Gillespie music. Okay. Uh, and for as little as $5 a month, people can get, uh, behind the scenes footage, um, 
inter, er, uh, podcast. I do a podcast just for pat- uh, patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now that's been going through each of the songs on the album, kind of giving a behind the music uh, even commentary. More, even more stuff to do. Even more, exactly. Um, and I do a once a month uh, virtual house show for patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, and I'm constantly looking to ways to improve the the uh, the patron experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's if anybody's interested, mm-hmm. check me out there. Patreon.com slash Josh Gillespie Music. And like you said, I'm all over the socials. Mm-hmm. It's Josh Gillespie Music on Instagram and uh, Facebook. Um, With and, good content, I would add. Thank you. Your content's great. Thank you. Uh, I, it's hard, admittedly. There are there are some people out there putting out some even better content than me. Mm-hmm. S- some some just tremendous content. Um, but and then it's uh, Josh Gillespie on YouTube. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Well, I encourage everybody listening to go check out all those sites. Go check out Bandcamp. Buy check out Bandcamp, joshgillespie.bandcamp.com. Buy the record, yeah, yeah, and buy the second and the third one when they come out. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you, Darren. Well, thank you for your time. You're it's, welcome. It's great sitting down with you, and uh, I wish you all the best for 2023. Thank you. All right. We'll, t- we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Thanks again to Josh for making some time to hang out with me. Hey, be sure to check out his Spotify page. Check out uh, anywhere you check out music. Be sure to check out Josh. Also, be sure to check out his podcast. He does a great job with that. And very entertaining, very informative about new music, uh, new artists, and things of that nature. So really appreciate him hanging out with me. And if you can do it, swing over to Bandcamp or Josh's website and buy his album. I really appreciate you taking the time to check out the podcast. And until next time, keep your antennas up for those bands on the radar.